Welcome again to our services tonight. Thank you for coming. We're grateful for your presence tonight. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. Thank you for coming our way this evening. We are grateful for the opportunity to be together tonight. We are closing in on a new year. It's going to be here before you know it. And so I hope and pray that as you think about the new year, that you will resolve today that you're going to do all that you can to glorify the Lord in this next year, to bring honor and glory to Him. And that ought to be our goal, to lift up Christ in this community, not just here, but wherever we go. Tonight we're going to be looking at Timothy. And I want to call attention to the first two books that we have in Scripture that bear His name, First and Second Timothy. And I want you to Look with me at some of the things that are said about Timothy in these two books. And as we look at the life of Timothy, one of the things that stands out in my mind is that he was a remarkable young man, and no doubt very influential. And he became an important cog in the cause of Christ, did a lot to advance the Lord's cause, worked side by side with the Apostle Paul, and so we're going to talk about that in a moment or two. So I want to begin by tonight calling attention to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to begin by looking at Paul's second letter to Timothy. And bear in mind that Paul now is writing his farewell letter to Timothy. And so there are a lot of things that are said in 2 Timothy that are of a personal nature, not only to Paul, but also to the work of Timothy. So I want to begin by first and foremost talking about his devotion. There are some things that stand out when you read what the Bible has to say about Timothy. And so first, let's talk for a minute or two about his devotion. There are two things that come to mind. Number one, Timothy was influenced within his home, within the context of his home. But then secondly, he was influenced outside his home. So I want to begin by reading for you or reading with you what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Paul said, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. I think these words convey that very special relationship that Paul had with Timothy. And so and then in verse 5 he said, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So first and foremost, what Paul is saying to us is that Timothy was really grounded in the faith. And what I want to do is combine a couple of points in our study tonight. The third point and the first point I want to really put together, because I think they go together. But nonetheless, Timothy was grounded in the faith. Now if you go back to Acts chapter 16, Timothy was the product of a Jewish home. His mother and grandmother were Jews. Now Luke says in chapter 16 that his mother was a believer. And so I would assume from that that she was a Christian. And so Paul here, in writing to Timothy, talks about the foundation that had been laid 
in his home. Now, his father was Greek. Some have surmised that at the occasion of the writing, that is Luke's writing, or Paul's writing here, that Timothy's father was deceased, whatever the case may have been. Timothy's mother and grandmother schooled him in the Scriptures, didn't they? They laid a foundation for him to build upon. They grounded him in the faith of Almighty God. Now, turn over, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And note now what Paul says, beginning in verse 14. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, if you remember when Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, very specific instructions were given to the nation of Israel. They were to teach diligently their children in the home, weren't they? Moses said you're to teach them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words, your home is to be permeated with divine teaching. Now, Timothy apparently did not have a believing father. And I know that the New Testament tells us that the father is the spiritual leader or is to be the spiritual leader. But there are a lot of homes today that do not have that kind of support. In other words, the father is not that spiritual leader. I read just recently that one out of four homes in America are without a father figure. And so there are a lot of homes today in which the father is not present. And then there are homes where the father is present, but he's not interested in spiritual things. But what that really says to me is that that old saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, says something about the importance of a mother. Not just a mother, but a grandmother. Now you think about Timothy. His mother and grandmother laid a foundation And they built upon that foundation. So here is Timothy. He is schooled in the Scriptures. He's adept at the Word of God. And then Paul comes along. And Paul takes that basic training that Timothy had received in the home and converted him to Christ. Now back in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the passage Tim read a moment ago, The Bible identifies Paul as his spiritual father. Paul referred to Timothy as his son in the faith. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 at verse 17, Paul there alludes to Timothy. He identifies him as a faithful and beloved son in Christ. So, the apostle Paul had the opportunity to help mold and shape Timothy to become a great servant of God. He had a mother or grandmother that was interested in spiritual things, and they shaped and molded, mentored him, and pointed him in the right direction. The Apostle Paul comes along, and Timothy is ripe to hear the gospel, to believe it, and to obey it, which he did. So, Timothy was was really influenced by sources within his home and also outside the home. Now, I said a minute ago 
that Timothy was grounded in the faith. But not just grounded, but also the faith is what was to guide him. Note, if you would, again, what Paul says in his second letter. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, verse 16, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now we talk about the power of God's Word and the importance of God's Word in our lives. I read some statistics the other day that were really shocking, one of which was, in America, at this point in time in the history of our nation, only 40% of Americans attend religious services one time per month. Now think about that for a minute. Let that sink in. Only 40% of our population attends a religious service one time a month. One of the problems that we're facing in this country, a lack of character, integrity, morality. Now look, there was a day and time in this country when people were taught a moral code. Now, they may not necessarily have believed the New Testament as we do, but they did stand strong for moral values and character and integrity. So when people are absent in terms of divine teaching, when people are not familiar, familiar with what the Word of God has to say, and God's Word is not shaping and molding their character, then obviously problems arise. It's my conviction that one of the real problems that we have in this day and time is that people have checked out, spiritually speaking. Now we talk about that 40 percentile. Has that impacted the church? Well, obviously it has. I mean, there are people that have affiliation with churches of Christ that lack that level of commitment or consecration. And sadly, there are some homes that are associated with churches of Christ. And God's Word is not being taught in the home. They're not coming to services regularly, and so they're not being exposed to divine truth. Now, I said a minute ago that Timothy was grounded in the faith, and he was to be guided by the faith. As a parent... There are so many responsibilities resting upon our shoulders, and I'm very grateful to each and every one of you who are parents and grandparents for the influence that you exert in the home and the fact that you have your children in Bible study and worship on a regular basis. I appreciate so much you lifting up Christ in your home and striving to provide them with that moral compass to live by. But there are a lot of people that they don't have that in this day and time. And we're paying a heavy price for that. Solomon wrote many years ago, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint 
And what Solomon was saying in the long ago was, when God's Word is not being broadcast, when people are not hearing the Word of God, in that day and time when they did not hear the voice of the prophets, then people have the tendency to cast off that moral code, that binary code. So what we've got to do is to encourage our young people to stay with God and to stay within the Word of God. Again, look at what Paul said. Go back with me again and note, if you would, in verse 14. Paul said, but as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them. As a parent or grandparent, are there things that you learned as a young person? You learned those things from your parents or grandparents. Are there things that relate to divine truth that were put in your heart at a young age. And you remember that. You remember their teaching, their training, their mentoring, their patience, their kindness, their guidance. That's what we need today. We need mothers and grandmothers like Lois and Eunice. I can't help but think about Samuel in the long ago. You remember Hannah? Hannah desperately wanted a child. She was barren. And the Bible tells us that Hannah prayed to God for a child. God granted her that request, didn't He? Hannah then turned around and said, Look, as long as I have this child, he'll be granted to the Lord. Timothy was a fine young man. And Timothy became a great servant of God. Now, did Paul exercise a lot of influence in his life without question? But where did all that begin? It began in the home. And so you have two people responsible for grounding Timothy in the truth of God and then pointing him to that pilot's light, so to speak, to guide him throughout life. Now, turn back with me, if you would, and look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Go back and look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 for a minute. You remember in 1 Timothy chapter 4 at verse 6, in the preceding verses, Paul had warned about an apostasy that would occur within God's church. So down in verse 6, he said, If you instruct the brethren in these things, he said, You'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith, and of the good doctrine which you have, listened to him, carefully followed. Paul said here, Look, you have carefully followed God's Word. Should we not exercise care when it comes to following the doctrine of Christ. In a day and time when people say doctrine is irrelevant, it really doesn't matter what you believe, that's not what Paul taught. And that's not what Timothy believed. So in verse 7 he said, But reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself rather to godliness. 
Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So what's Paul emphasizing here as his father figure in the faith? Staying true to God. Demonstrating a spiritual mindset. Then drop down, look at verse 13. Paul said, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Look at verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, he said, you'll save both yourself and those who hear you. Then turn over to chapter 6. In chapter 6, listen now to what Paul has to say again about this idea of godliness. Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Could I ask you a question tonight? Are you content with where you are in this life? Are you satisfied with your life at the present time? I hope you are. And Paul here equates godliness, godly living, to contentment. The world says, if you want to be happy, satisfied, content in life, you've got to have this, or you've got to have that, or you've got to climb the corporate ladder, and so on. But then in verse 7, he said, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now look at verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, listen to what Paul says in verse 11, and note the compliment paid to him. But you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Paul here says, look, it's not about gaining more in the material world. That ought not be the emphasis in life, though that is the emphasis of many. Paul said, what you want to do, if you want to really be successful in this life, and you want to find contentment, happiness, satisfaction, key in on the spiritual dimension of life, right? And then listen to him in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence or sight of many witnesses. Paul here reminding Timothy that those of us who are part of the body of Christ are involved in spiritual warfare. It is a fight to the finish, no matter how strong we might be. doesn't matter what position we might occupy in the church. We might be an elder, preacher, teacher, song leader. might be the case that we have a lot of things going on in the church in our own lives. But we're still involved in spiritual warfare. And Paul said what we've got to do is fight that good fight of faith. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul would say, Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So, we talk about the level of devotion demonstrated by Timothy, encouraged by Paul, 
and exemplified by this young man on a daily basis. Now, there's a second thing I want to call attention to. Back up again and look at chapter 4. Let's talk about his demeanor for a moment or two. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, at verse 12, listen to what Paul said to his son in the faith. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Paul here stressing to Timothy, his son in the faith again. Paul is saying, look, you've got to make sure that you exemplify the virtues of New Testament Christianity before others. So number one, to remember that you are to be an example of New Testament Christianity in the words that you use on a daily basis. Now, sometimes maybe we use or exercise poor judgment in our speech, what we say. And I think what Paul is telling Timothy is that we need to exercise caution. You remember, for example, back in Proverbs 31, when the writer there talked about the virtuous woman? And he said, she opens her mouth with wisdom. On her tongue is the law of kindness. Now, I think as a Christian, that passage ought to be reflected in our lives. Sometimes we have a tendency to speak before we think things through. Peter had that problem, didn't he? And Peter found himself in trouble on many occasions. And so what Paul is telling Timothy is, you need to make sure that you measure your words. Jesus talked about the heart and how out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we put in will ultimately come out. Now you remember in James chapter 2, verse 12, James would say, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. And so again, to just make sure that our speech is what it ought to be. Again, to be people of our word. To use clean speech and not profanity. To try to the best of our ability to demonstrate a Christ-like spirit in our speech. But then also... Paul said, I want you to be an example in your ways before others. That is, how you live. Now, there are two ways that we can preach the gospel, so to speak. Verbally, we can preach. There's a lot of power in preaching and teaching the Word of God. But there is another dimension wherein we preach and teach the gospel, but never say a word. And that's by our example. What people see in us. You remember this morning we talked about Philippians chapter 2 when Paul said, have this mind in you, developing the mindset of Christ and trying to demonstrate a Christ-like attitude in everything that we do. What about trying to live a Christ-like life to carry ourselves as a New Testament Christian? I want you to look with me at a passage of Scripture over in 1 Peter chapter 3. I think this really 
says it very well in terms of the influence that we exert outside the verbal presentation of the Word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter is writing to a Christian wife who is living with an unbelieving husband. Are there people like that today? Well, sure there are. There are a lot of very good, godly Christian women who are doing their best on a regular basis to live the Christian life, to lead their children to heaven. Their husband, their mate, is not a member of the body of Christ. So they are that shining light in the home. And so here's what Peter said. Likewise, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word, that is without you ever saying a thing, may be won by the conduct of their wives. Peter's saying, look, you don't have to beat your mate over the head and drag them into the church building and try to shove the Bible down their throat. All you've got to do is just live that Christian life. Now, are there times when maybe an unbelieving spouse will ask questions and the opportunity arises to share some biblical information? Sure. But what Peter is saying here is there are times when the best thing we can do is carry ourselves like a New Testament Christian. You show that mate what you're about. Now listen to what he says. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your beauty be that outward adorning of arranging the hair, of wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with dressing nicely and getting your hair done and wearing jewelry and all, you know, all those other things. But what he's saying is the emphasis is not to be on the outward person, but rather on the inward person. So here's what he said. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now note, which is very precious in the sight of God. So, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to show people around you, you show the world what it means to be a New Testament Christian. Can we do that today? When we're at the office, on the job, if we're in the factory, in the classroom, whatever our position might be in this life, can we show other people by how we live and how we speak we belong to the Lord. Yes. Well, why is that? Because we're special people. We are distinct people. As Peter would say, you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, whom He has called forth out of darkness into His marvelous light, who in time past were not a people, but now, Peter said, you're the people of God. And so, it's not that we're trying to put on a dog and pony show that Jesus condemned in Matthew chapter 6. It's not about trying to live in a flamboyant way and show people, well, I'm a Christian. No, it's not about that at all. It's about just carrying ourselves like we belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, there's another thing I want to share with you. Drop down and note our fourth point. I mentioned a moment ago that we combine point one point three. 
The fourth point has to do with his duty. Paul had a tremendous amount of influence over Paul. Matter of fact, Paul picked Timothy up and utilized him on his second missionary journey going forward. Now imagine if you can having the opportunity not only to hear the gospel from the Apostle Paul, to obey that gospel, but then to become one of his colleagues, one of his companions or fellow, so, fellow soldiers in the faith. That was Timothy, wasn't it? So now here is Timothy, his son in the faith, who is working side by side with this great man of God. And so here's the Apostle Paul. Look again at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. There are some people that when they leave this world, they leave a tremendous void in the world in which they exited. Moses would be a great example of that. I mean, I can't imagine trying to follow in the footsteps of Moses. But Joshua did. Think about the Apostle Paul. And note if you would down in verse 6. Paul said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, some translations say henceforth, there is later for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul is saying to Timothy, I'm about to leave you. My time's up. I'm going to be crossing Jordan. Over the course of this past year, we have said goodbye to a lot of good people, haven't we? Over the past probably five years, we have lost a number of really fine people, good people. Death marks the end of their life of service. But it doesn't mark the end of the work of the church. So what we have to do is to constantly prepare and train and mentor people to assume the role that maybe at one point in time we occupied. Imagine filling the shoes or trying to fill the shoes of an Apostle Paul. It'd been tough, wouldn't it? talking to somebody not long ago and they were telling me about their role with a particular company. And I don't think they were saying this in a braggadocious way. But they talked about having to wear a number of titles and do a number of different tasks. This person said to me, if and when I leave, it's going to take more than one person to do my job because that's the weight of responsibility resting upon me. One person is just not going to be able to assume that role. Paul was leaving. Paul was about to cross the Jordan. And Paul's saying, look, Timothy, your time has come. You've got to continue on preaching and teaching the gospel. Now, before we look at chapter 4, verse 1, 
I want you to back up and look at chapter 2. Listen to what Paul said beginning in verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So during the lifetime of Paul, what was he doing? Taking people like a Timothy or a Titus, training and mentoring them, readying them for the service of the kingdom of God. So that as Paul bid farewell to this world, he could set forth this charge. So listen to what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Paul was saying to Timothy, you are to be a messenger of Almighty God. We're all to be messengers of the Lord, aren't we? And what Paul was saying to Timothy was, look, you take the things that you've learned. You commit those to faithful people so that they might be able to take what they've heard, what they've learned, and commit that to other people. So there is the perpetuity of the faith. If we do not do that, the church is not going to grow. The church is not going to go forward. We've got to be instilling in the lives of young folks today the truth of Almighty God. We've got to be equipping them for service because we're not going to be here forever. The time's going to come when we leave this world and that future generation, they're now the ones that are leading the charge. There are some of you here tonight you will be doing great things for the cause of Christ long after I've left this world. There are some of us that will not get to see the great things that you do in the kingdom. But I'm convinced that you will do great things. Now look, I'm not saying in any way that I am irreplaceable. I do not believe that at all. I am the interim preacher at Olive Branch. Olive Branch had a preacher before I came. Olive Branch will have a preacher once I leave. It's just the way that works. It's just life, isn't it? But what we have to do is equip the younger generation so that they can carry on. So that 20, 25, 30 years from now, there will still be a located work in Olive Branch, Mississippi. And if we don't have some Timothys and Tituses and some young Loises and Eunices, then the church as we know it will not be what it ought to be. It says something about how important each and every one of us are to the cause of Christ. If you're a Christian mother here and you've got children that are with you tonight, you are very important. And you are exerting influence on the lives of young people that will be felt for years and years to come. If you're a Christian father and you're here tonight and you're trying to live a Christian life and rear your children in the Lord, the things that you are doing today will pay huge dividends tomorrow. 
when it's all said and done, what's our absolute number one objective in this life? Let's go to heaven, isn't it? And listen, not only do we want to be in heaven, but those little ones, those children that later grow into adulthood, we want to be in heaven with them, don't we? And so here's what Paul said. Timothy, I want you to preach the Word. You preach it in season and out of season. You reprove, you rebuke, you exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Now look, there's going to come a day when people are not necessarily going to be interested in hearing the truth of Almighty God. But Timothy, you just keep preaching and teaching. Why? Because you sow that seed, it falls on honest and good hearts, and it will always yield fruit, will it not? So listen to what he says down in verse 5. Timothy, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. We all have a ministry, don't we? We all have ability, talent in the kingdom of God. What we do not want to happen is to bury that talent in the ground. We want to use what God has given us by way of our talent or ability to His glory. Paul used Timothy in a tremendous way. And I'd like to think that 20, 30 years from now. Some of the young people that are, some of you that are here tonight, that you'll be doing great, great things, that you will be the Timothy of tomorrow. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, what would you need to do to become a child of God? Well, just do what Paul did, do what Timothy did. Paul wrote, to the church at Rome. And he said, in the long ago, that they had obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. God has a plan to redeem the human family. That plan revolves around one person, that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And because He shed His blood, we have the hope of being forgiven today. So here's what you would need to do. First, to respond with an obedient heart. I know you believe Jesus to be the Son of God. You wouldn't be here tonight. So you take that faith that you have, and then you respond with an obedient heart, like they did in Rome. When you do that, and are baptized into Christ, the Bible says that all your sins will be washed away, just like Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus in Acts twenty-two sixteen. You are then a child of God. You belong to the Lord. You're a part of His divine body. And the beauty of living the Christian life is that you can live a life that brings with it a measure of satisfaction and peace unmatched by the world around us. And we can so run the Christian race like Paul and say, we fought that good fight. We have finished our course.
we have kept the faith. There is that crown of righteousness that awaits us. One day the world, will, the world as we know to be gone will be in eternity. And I hope and pray that all of us here tonight are in that heavenly home with one another, with God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight, maybe you need to make things right with God. Maybe your life's not what it ought to be. And you want to try to resolve tonight to do better. And maybe we could pray with you and for you. And that would help you in that endeavor. We would be more than happy to do that as we stand and sing.